0: hi guys and welcome back to my channel stories in the dark today we're going to be talking about the case of betty gail brown unsolved for 56 years inside the police file of lexington's most notorious cold case quincy brown put a heating pad in her 19 year old daughter's bed then climbed in herself to do some light reading. It was a chilly October 26th, and she didn't want her only child coming home to a cold bed after a study session at Transylvania College. Oh, that's so sad. Betty Gill Barrow never got home that night in 1961 and her death is one of Lexington's great unsolved mysteries and its oldest cold case. The Brown investigative file released the Lexington police under the Kentucky Open Records Act, show that the investigation into her killer was doomed from starts and stops. Leave that went nowhere and a confession that was full of holes. The Brown case is the subject of attorney Robert G. Lawson's new book, Who Killed Betty Gale Brown, Murder, Mysterial, and Mystery. Lawson will appear with his book at the Kentucky Road Fair on November 18th at All Tech Arena. This much is clear about the case of Betty Gale Brown. She was found in her little car in the driveway in front of Transylvania's Old Morian Building early October 27, 1961, strangled to death with her own bra. Oh, damn. Police files say she left nearby Forer Hall about midnight, died about 1 a.m., and was found strangled in her car about 3 a.m. by a Lexington policeman. She had not been raped. Oh, thank God. Her purse was untouched. Her books and notes undisturbed. Her keys were slung into the backseat of her little French maid Simica car. Beyond that, the case veers into chaos. No one, even the man who confessed to the murder in 1965 had a motive. Betty Gale was a member of the Phi Mu Sorority at Transylvania she was a popular studious focused young lady she was a sunday school teacher at central christian church brown a commuter student who lived with her parents on lackawanna road was supposed to be headed home about midnight on october 26th she had checked out of four hall which had a house mother to make note of comings and goings a witness said he saw her car headed south down Upper Street, maybe 10 minutes from home on Lackawanna Road. But for some reason, though, she returned to campus. Was she alone? Was she forced? What led her to park in front of the old Morrison when she had parked elsewhere for her own study session? Her mother, Quincy Stanton Brown, a local decorator and the sister of actor Harry Dean Stanton, knew that her daughter wouldn't normally run so late, but she also never knew her to park in front of Old Morrison. Quincy Brown took three trips downtown to search for Betty Gale, but each time failed to turn into the Old Morrison driveway. On Quincy Brown's third trip, she was stopped by a policeman who told her that Betty Gale was dead. Betty Gale Brown, a French major with doe eyes, clear skin and bright girl hair, whatever the fuck that's supposed to mean, became more famous in death than in life. Her killer became a mythological figure in Lexington, a kind of all-purpose boogeyman. A man approached a woman standing beneath a tree on the Transylvania campus and proclaimed himself as the Transylvania Strangler. Another man pinned his wife to the trailer floor and threatened to give her the same treatment. Then Transylvania garbot. The what the fuck's wrong with people? A cross-dressed male, okay, who had graduated from Transylvania had moved to New York, got a leering write-up in the newspaper as he was run through the grinder of suspects, shorn of his high heels, sheer silk stockings, gray bandana, gray skirt, falsies, and girdle. The newspaper sneered, well, "That's rude." In 1965, a man losing his battle with alcohol addiction confessed the crime in Klamath Falls, Oregon. His name was Alex Arnold, alias Don Eagle, alias Don Ringo, and he told quite a tale about the night Betty Gale Brown died. While Arnold was in Lexington jail awaiting trial, Quincy Brown came to see him. You did not kill my daughter, she told him according to Arnold. In fact, Rumors had circulated that Quincy Brown herself had, her, had killed her own daughter. She asked a neighbor about them. According to Lawson's book, she was told they were given no credence. Arnold's trial in Lexington ended in a hung jury. Seven for acquittal, five for conviction, and was declared a mistrial. Arnold recanted his confession during that trial. He said that maybe he had dreamt his scenario. Arnold was never tried again. The case was marked cleared by arrest. It was never cleared by the court of public opinion. Lawson says in his book that he doesn't think Arnold killed Betty Gale Brown, but he acknowledges that he might have. Arnold's conviction and confession said, sorry, Arnold's confession said that he was drunk and that wasn't an unusual. He claims to have a pro brown's car where he said two women were making out whoa and asked for a light up for a cigarette arnold said the two repeatedly cussed him out so he reached into the car of the driver's side grabbed brown's hair and smashed her head into the dashboard leaving a bloody stain the other girl fled arnold said leaving him alone with the 98 pound brown who wasn't even five feet tall a woman's Bulova watch was found nearby although the police apparently didn't consider it significant to the investigation. Arnold claimed to have grabbed Brown's bra and used it as a literature to strangle her, bracing himself with a knee jammed against the back seat. Apparently, Brown was already c- unconscious because Arnold reported that her that her only reaction was to just to quiver a little bit. Afterward, he said he got his first look at brown telling her what a cute little son of a bitch you are kissed her on the right breast wiped for fingerprints and locked the car what a sicko arnold claimed that he he then went to the nearby apartment of a friend named may hedges who the two had a drink he claimed and he passed out on her couch hedges later disputed arnold's account After Betty Gale Brown's body was found, Lexington police took photos of the body, her neck at an impossible angle. The body, the bloody dent in the top of Betty Gale's head, she might have fought for her life. A photograph was taken of a broken fingernail on her left index finger. Those photos, which graphically show the damage to Brown's body, aren't attached to the released file. Brown's clothing was catalogued, a light beige silk shirt. A pair of gray and black walking shorts, a tan wool sweater, a pair of heavy white socks beneath brown Oxford, size four and a half. Brown had been studying with friends for a biology test and had left the women's dorm after the group broke up. She had worn the clothes all day. She had dinner with her parents and then returned to the Drasylvania campus. The terror of her death dominated Lexington for years, reflecting the hysteria of the situation of the defenseless young woman attacked for no apparent reason, very close to hundreds of college students. At visitation for Betty Gale at Kerr Brothers Funeral Home, a classmate cried out, I know who did it, I know who did it. She didn't know who had done it after all. She told police she was just processing a theory. Betty Gale Brown was buried at Blue Grass Memorial Gardens just over the county line in Jessamine County off Harrisburg Road the death continued to occupy Lessington's imagination to the point that on January 21, 1988, Sergeant Fran Root sent a memo to then-Lieutenant John Bizak instructing him to get up to speed on the case information so that the department could handle future inquiries. It should be pointed out that none of the past inquiries have materialized into leads that have been substantiated. Bizak wrote, it should be also pointed out that the case materials from 1961 homicide lack significant documentation to determine whether some investigation was fully known or pursued during the 1961-63 investigation. He also wrote that, no consistent records were kept of assignments, follow-ups, directions, eliminations, possible suspects for future evaluations of the evidence. Then Bizak made a stunning admission. None of the evidence introduced at Arnold's trial was available for re-examination. It had all been destroyed, although he doesn't know by whom. Busier added that Commonwealth Attorney's Office archives also failed to reflect the relocation, condition, or extent of files, materials, or evidence related to the case. While the case may be classified as cleared by arrest under UCR. Uniform Crime Report standards. Whether the murders resolved is another question. Bizak concluded. In 2006, Lexington police sought handprints and fingerprints from a California convict, who they thought could have been associated with the case. Adolf Luddenberg had been charged in California in connection with four homicides from 1970s in which all the victims were female and were all strangled. The prints were initially ruled inconclusive. Police also talked to the Lundberg wife, but determined that she had no knowledge of the murders. They spoke with his brother and sister, but neither knew whether Laudenberg had lived in Lexington in 1961. Finally, in 2012, the F confirmed that Ladenburg's prints were not a match with the prints found on Brown's car. In 2015, the Kentucky State Police Forensic Laboratory said the same thing. Betty Gail Brown's clothing was retrieved from an uncle in Florida in 2005 and was retested in an attempt to identify a DNA profile which yielded no leads. About the same time, police were probed whether the Brown murder was related to a strangulation killing in Talmadge, Ohio in 1963. In 2008, police followed up on a frequent visitor to Betty Gale Browngrave, grave, who would have been 13 times at all time of the, her death. Arnold died June 18th, 1980, at the Veterans Administration Hospital on Cooper Drive, the cause of death was listed as cirrhosis of the liver. Free Circuit Judge George Barker who was an assistant Commonwealth's attorney who assisted Donald Maloney in Arnold's prosecution told Bizak, the police lieutenant on January 4th, 1988 that he thought Arnold was responsible for the death, although he didn't accept Arnold's total narrative of the murder. Right after her daughter's killing, Quincy Brown told the newspaper that she didn't want the killer to get the death penalty. The fuck? Her father, life insurance agent Hargis Brown, took a slightly different tack. I want to let the law take its course. Even if he is never found, he will be punished by his conscience, and I want to see him caught. But I'm afraid this could never happen to another person. That Sorry, that he's afraid it can happen to another person. Hargus Brown died in 1990 in Breva County, Florida. Quincy Alice Danton Brown died in 2002 at the age of 81 and also in Florida. Her cause of death was listed as an injury. The Browns are buried at Bluegrass Memorial Gardens near Betty. The area, once rural, has filled up considerably since her death. Across the three is a shopping center anchored by a Kroger store. The cemetery itself bustles the families visiting their dead. The mystery surrounding Betty Gale death continues. No relative, no one, no friend, no acquaintance, no investigator, no lawyer, and no witness has ever provided anything resembling evidence of a motive for the killing of this young woman. Lawson writes in his book. And this above all else, for the fact that the question of who killed Betty Gale Brown has now been a baffling mystery for more than 50 years, and it is almost sure to remain that way forever.